Blog Talk Radio. Quiet, please. Conversations with filmmakers where we discuss everything film and television. Here on Movie Beat, you'll learn what to do and what not to do when it comes to making movies and TV. We will talk to everyone behind the scenes and in front of the camera, and I'll provide you with guests and information you're going to want to have with your filmmaker or a fan. And so now let's move behind the scenes. At Movie Beat. My guest today is Roberta Monroe. She was a short film programmer at uh, Sundance Film Festival for a number of years. She's seen over 15,000 shorts. She probably has knows more about short film than anyone in the world. And so she's the go-to person when it comes to making short films. She's got a book called How to Make How Not to Make Short Films, uh, an even more poignant title. Uh, so we're going to have her on in just a few moments. I've got a few announcements to make. Uh, first, let me say that we this is the second attempt today. We had some technical difficulties. Uh, we want to thank you for joining us back live and for joining us. The chat room is open, and uh, if you have questions or comments, please uh, feel free to join us in the chat room. Uh, additionally, the official website is rexsykes.com. That's my name. I'm your host. R-E-X-S-I-K-E-S.com is the official website for Rex Sykes Movie Beat. You can subscribe to the official website right there at the welcome page. Movie Beat's really designed to be a resource for you. That's why I connect you up with professionals who are making it happen. Earlier, earlier today, for example, we had director Jeffrey Goodman talk about self-distribution and, uh, and festival runs. And so uh, if you have a chance or you haven't had a chance to listen to that, please go back and and, and check that out at the website as well. All of these interviews are stored in about three places. They're stored at the Rex Sykes Movie Beat official website on the interviews blog, and there's an archives page, and you go through and you look up the guest by name. You just scroll through, find their name, click on it. If it says upcoming and it gives a date and a time it, and that to, to listen live, it means it hasn't occurred yet. You should be able to figure that out. If, on the other hand, it says to listen click here, then you click it. Those are the archive shows. And some guests have one, two, maybe five, six shows. It all depends. But right there from the archives, inside their biography page, you can listen live or you can listen archive. Secondly, Blog Talk Radio allows you to listen live from their site or to listen to archive shows. Just got to go find the archives and, and again, search that out. Also, these are stored as podcasts free at the iTunes store, Rex Sykes Movie Beat. You just search it, subscribe, subscribe to it, and you'll have over 160 hours of professional filmmakers dispensing secrets, insider information, nuts and bolts, how-to, advice, tips, suggestions, stories, anecdotes, experiences, just for you, absolutely free, no charge to help you make your project easier, faster, uh, and less expensively, and to advance your career, whether that's in front of or behind the camera. And all of my guests are either uh, celebrities in front of the camera or everyone who is behind the camera involved in movie making and television. So uh, it's an incredible place for you to hang out. Uh, we hope that you will share this with all of your friends. Tweet about my guests. Tweet about the show. Put it on Facebook, MySpace, your favorite means, your favorite social networking form. Call people up if you're listening live right now. Call someone. Email them. Say, hey, I'm listening to Rex Sykes Movie Beat. The guest today is Roberta Monroe on making short films and how not to make them. Uh, 
uh, and let them know that that's happening. After the show airs, you can do the same thing. Tweet about it, put it on MySpace, uh, put it on Facebook, wherever, because that helps uh, the show. It helps my guest. If you're listening live, go ahead and friend us right there from the Blog Talk site. Make us a favorite. Leave comments about the show. Chat with us in the in the chat room. And uh, if you're listening from a podcast at the iTunes store, do the same thing. Rate and review the shows uh, because it really helps uh, the popularity show. It helps more people to discover it when you do that. All right. Uh, without further ado, what I'm going to do is bring on Roberta. And welcome to all the people in the chat room. Uh, we're so glad that you're there. And uh, we're going to have a good hour today. How are you doing, Roberta? I'm great. Thanks, Rick. Thanks for having me on. Hi, everyone. Well, as I told the audience, uh, we, we've tried this a couple times. We've even scheduled it for another time coming up. But right now, we're, we're live, and, uh, and if people are in the chat room, they can't ask you questions. I have questions for you. And, uh, I, wanted to, and I wanted to say that I got your book the other day, and, uh, and then somebody grabbed it from me because they wanted to read it right away. Also, a friend of mine, a filmmaker friend of mine, that we, I was at a dinner last week. I saw him again last night with his wife, and he said, I got that book, Roberta's book, How Not to Make a Short Film. He really likes it. And then at his home, we actually screened uh, a short or two that you refer to in the book. So, uh, you know, in, in, in the short amount of time that I've had the book, and, you know, pe- you know people are clamoring for it. So, uh, uh, that's very cool, you know, and they're really liking the book. So I can't wait until I actually get to read it. <laughs> well, thanks, Rex. Yeah, it's been, um, you know, it was a real labor of love, and I hope that I get a lot of feedback from filmmakers saying either, A, they wish they'd read it before they made their first short, or, B, they're so glad they read it before they made their short. Well, so I, it's I'm been looking that I'm looking forward to our conversation today because actually the moment we're done, I am first AD on a short film, and uh, I will have wow. to make. I know, I know you have an appointment, and then I have an appointment. I've got to run to this film shoot uh, that that they're shooting that we're beginning today. So uh, I'll I'll go armed with all sorts of information about what makes a good <laughs> a good short and what doesn't. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so so let me ask you right off the bat a little bit about your experience. I didn't I didn't read your bio. I just mentioned that you you were with uh, Sundance. You're also a filmmaker. You've done tons of stuff, and people certainly I encourage you to go to uh, the website and and read about Roberta. But just just give us a little bit of background um, to, so that we can lead into my first question, which will be what makes a short film interesting to a festival programmer. Well, you know, I think what we're facing right now in the marketplace of short films and feature films, as everybody knows, is this huge glut in the market. And so your film used to, you know, be in competition with maybe 2,000 short films at, like, a top-tier festival, like, say, Sundance. And now it's competing with 6,000 short film submissions. And so what you really need to do is do your homework. You know, go on, you know, their uh, website or go through the program guide. Find out what's already been made. Find out what kind of films that the festival you want to get into actually shows. I think a lot of filmmakers, um, I have a lot of clients, and I do uh, consulting with short filmmakers. And what I find is that, you know, they say to me, well, you know, submitted to 50 festivals and get rejected from 45. And I look at the list of festivals that they've submitted to, and I can see why they got rejected because those festivals don't show their kind of short. So you want to be really clear, have a really strong festival strategy uh, before you start spending hundreds of dollars in submitting your film to every film festival that out of box tells you to. 
Well, how, where, where should they go to do that homework? When you say go and look and all that kind of stuff, what, what, what do they need to know about where to go? Right. Well, uh, you can go to my website, RobertaMonroe.com, and it's spelled M-U-N-R-O-E. RobertaMonroe.com, and you go on the resource page, and I have a few short films up there. You can, um, you know, do a search on uh, some of the favorite short films, films that you, that you read about. You know, often you can at least see the trailer. Um, it's not the whole film if they have it online. Or you can support the filmmaker, you know, by paying $1.99. But I would say that go to film festival websites first. See what films won the Best Short Film Award. You know, or, and if it's a short film festival, see all of the winners and see if you can watch them and or, you know, support the filmmaker and buy the download off their website or wherever they have it put up. So when it comes to knowing what was made, in other words, what, what, what do you want the listener to know about? What, what, are they, what are they doing that homework for exactly? I mean, they're well, looking at... Well, you because you want your short to stand out. And so, you know, and, and it's not easy to stand out in a sea, you know, like 6,000 short films. It's not, it's not easy to stand out. And so what you want to do is make sure that you've got a fresh story, a, you know, that hasn't been done before. And if it has been done before, that you have somehow created a fresh twist to that, you know, cliche story. In my book, you know, people laugh, but, and they say they're really funny, but they're also really true, is I, you know, list about 75 short film cliches that I've seen over the years, and there are many more. Um, as well as cliché storylines. You know, I think that often we are, you know, we're saying, oh, write what you know, write from, you know, what you know, and um, from your personal experience. But if your personal experience is like millions of other people's personal experience, then chances are we've already seen that short film get made. So step outside the box and really do your research and make sure that you get your script vetted by more than just a couple of friends. You get your script vetted by more than just a couple of friends? Is that what you said? Yeah, that, yeah, that you don't just, you know, I, I watch so many filmmakers, and, I, and believe me, my clients tell me this, my filmmaker friends tell me this, and even I admit this as a filmmaker, that sometimes we jump into production with a script that is not ready. You know, so oh, okay. what ends up happening is you, you know, once you shoot it, you can only edit what you shot. You only, you only have the story that you shot. So why not have the best possible foundation yeah, and I mean, a great script, you know, brings more than just a great short. It brings on a great crew, it brings on a great producer, it brings on great talent to act in your short. And so that's where you start. That's your foundation. And without that foundation, you, you know, it's going to be a nightmare. No, I think that's great because I think so many people, whether it's a feature or a short, they just, they, they get an idea, they write it, they, they, they marry it, essentially, it's their baby, they, you know, and then they can't see the forest through the trees, and they don't know that, hey, you know what, uh, great ideas are rare in, are rarely in isolation, sometimes people have thought of similar things, you know, you know what I mean, I mean, you know, or maybe they got, you know, maybe the impetus for their idea came from something else, but they, that they, they don't really, do the research necessary, they don't do, as you said, the vetting, they don't have other people's input, you know, and I think so often uh, people suffer from that kind of limit. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, they suffer from that narrow-minded version of what they think is fresh. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly, and they don't really know what is fresh, you know, they just think this is the most important thing since, you know, sliced bread and and they don't bother to to really investigate. Uh, I hear so many times from experts like yourself that say, do your homework, find out what's out there, find out what's selling, uh, and then offer something along those lines that is fresh, that is different, that hasn't been done before, 
So you right. have artistic integrity, but you also have commercial savvy. Right. And I mean, and you know, I always say, you know, write the script you want to write, but, you know, I am working with a really great filmmaker, David Fisher, and he's telling a very personal story um, in his short that he would like hopes to make into a feature. And one of the things, you know, that I work on with him is dialogue. So you've got these, you know, characters that we have seen many times before. How are you going to make them fresh? One of the best ways to do that is through dialogue. And, I, you know, I find that, you know, sometimes, I mean, filmmakers are so inundated with information, and people keep saying, you know, it's all about the script, it's all about the script. But I'm really here to tell you that it really is all about the script. It really mm-hmm. is all about the story. And you can sometimes get away with a little, you know, exposition here and a little cliche dialogue there with the right performances and production values. But at the end of the day, don't you want to stand out? You know, why would you want to, like, this is, for a lot of short filmmakers, um, this is the beginning of their career. Do you not want to start on the best foot, you know, possible? Um, do you not want to like? Do you not want to hit that festival circuit with something that people are talking about in a way that serves you, as opposed to in a way that doesn't serve you? Oh, that makes that makes uh, incredible sense. So let me ask you: What subjects are best avoided in short filming, in uh, short filmmaking? Well, you know, I like- would say. I would say, you know, I'm driving, sorry. So if you hear me <laughs> honking at errant drivers, just please ignore. Um, so we can't see any hand gestures. <laughs> yeah, you won't, be, you won't see the hand gestures. No, I don't do hand gestures. It's not worth it. But, you know, I think that, you know, some things to avoid are just things that we have already seen. So I, um, you know, my, one of the ones that pops up whenever I ask colleagues of mine is the homeless, you know, homeless guy or the prostitute with the heart of gold, you know, the, 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 where you have your protagonist, you know, your lead who is, um, you know, down and out, lost his wife, lost his job, and runs into, you know, the shut-in old lady next door, the homeless guy, the, you know, the prostitute, the, you know, the, the Korean dry cleaner owner who teaches him how to enjoy and be grateful for his life. We've seen that short so many times, and it's rarely well done. <laughs> and why, you know, why start off with a cliche? You're building your, you're building your house, you know, it's like a house of cards. Uh, perfect. I, I, you know, when you were saying that, I, what comes to mind for me, like in feature films, and I don't know about short films, is the alcoholic cop or detective, you know. I mean, yes, absolutely. That, you know, unshaven, he's, you know, down and yeah. out, you know, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, so avoid cliches when... Uh, especially, you know, if you're if you're starting out, I guess. I mean, there's no time really. I don't, is there ever a time to use a cliche? Yeah. No, there's never a time. But however, <laughs> there's uh-huh. never a time to use a cliche. But I think that when you you can use one, you know, if you've got a fresh story, you know, like if okay. you've got a fresh way to look at that story. And I, you know, I feel like you know, let black men do things other than be pimps or you know, the crazy best friend or the drug dealer, or the, you know, the mean cop and the good cop, bad cop scenario. Let, you know, women have more, um, you know, have more to do in your, in your short than to just prop up the, you know, your male lead. I've read and watched so many films where, you know, I don't know who saw, you know, Get Me to the Greek, but I was so, I was so surprised by the, um, the female, you know, uh, girlfriend, uh, who ends up, you know, wanting a threesome and whatever. I was like, wow, somebody really stepped outside the box and gave this woman something to do. And I'm sure, and your actors are going to be, I mean, that's what it comes to. It's like your job as a writer-director ultimately is to direct actors, create a platform for them to be able to showcase their best work and give you a really great film. If your script sucks or is just mediocre, 
it doesn't have to suck. If it's just mediocre, you know, chances are you're going to attract mediocre talent. Uh, good point, good point. So, so what makes a script stand out? What makes it good? What makes it, uh, you know, a worthwhile script to uh, produce and manufacture a film? Well, I think, you know, what you want to, you know, and then there's a million different, you know, um, variables. But what I would say, you know, as a, as a consultant, as someone who reads a lot of short film scripts, the one thing you want to hear me say is, wow, I didn't see that coming, or, you know, that's an awesome piece of dialogue, or um, I was really thrilled that you ended it this way because it could have ended, you know, in far more cliche ways. So when you have, when you're getting feedback from people on your script, you want to hear that, you, what you want to hear is that it's fresh, that's what you're looking for. You're looking for people to be surprised by the story. You're looking for people to say, to, you know, even if you are using a somewhat cliche storyline, that they were surprised at where you took that story. Is there a problem with people? I mean, in other words, some people think of a, a, a short film as like a mini feature. You know, they, they And it's the not. Thing. And it's not. It's a completely different structure. You know, short films are not three-act structure um, you know, you can't, it's impossible to put three acts in 12, 15 minutes. And once you get past 15 minutes, then you're running into trouble around being programmed at, you know, at larger festivals. The longer your short is, you know, the harder, you know, harder time you're going to have getting programmed. So 15 minutes or less is a good length for festival shorts? I think, yeah. I mean, depending, I think that, you know, if it's a real intricate drama, then you could go up to 20. If it's a documentary, then you could even go up to 30. I think oh. that... You know, don't worry necessarily about the length of your film. Worry about the content of your story. The because stuff. there are some stories that, you know, do warrant 20 minutes, that, you know, we'd be willing to sit and are thrilled to sit through for 20 minutes. Uh, you know, one of the um, – I mean, but I will say this, that in the 15 years that I've been working at festivals and certainly in the five years that I programmed at Sundance, uh, I think we showed less than five narrative, you know, live action shorts that were longer than 20 minutes. Well, that's uh, that that tells a lot. <laughs> I mean, yes, it really yes. does. It really does. So yeah. So the the person who makes shorts should should be aware of these kinds of things, and that's why we have you there, and that's why you know you're the go-to person, and I surely appreciate that. So um, well, if it's not a three-act structure, what kind of structure is a short film? I mean, how? Well, do, that, how... <clears throat> that's another reason why you can. Um, that's an, I mean, it's like another brilliant reason why you need to be out there watching short films. You know, um, there there is a structure to a successful short film that has nothing to do with a feature film. You know, what you want, like a successful structured short film has interesting characters and that we are coming into the story probably in the middle. You know, we don't need to start at the beginning of the story. We can infer from your dialogue, from your characters, from the locations, from your production design, what has transpired and where we are in your movie. So don't worry, you know, so when you think about the story and what you want people to feel and to come away with, what you want the audience to experience, and oftentimes you will come in at around 12 pages. <laughs> A good, solid short will come in at around 12 pages. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. Well, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I hate shorts up until last oh, night. Oh, good. No, no, oh, I mean, I always have... have uh, I always have, I, you know, people, I, I've even done some shorts, I've been in some shorts, things like that, I, but if somebody said, come out of my house, we're going to watch shorts, I go, no thanks, I really, I don't care. And oftentimes yeah. I am, I, I am in that situation. I have a friend who loves shorts and he makes shorts and so we often screen shorts. Well, so last night, you know, he said, well, we're going to watch this short. And I'm like, uh, all right, whatever. 
And yeah. uh, and it's the one with Lucas Haas that you mentioned in your book. What, what is the youth in us? It's the youth in us, directed, written directed by uh, Joshua Leonard. Okay, I don't want to tip anything. I loved it. I really did. And I and I went. Okay. I went. I, no, I mean I was really impressed. And I you know and I didn't. I mean I didn't know if I would or not. But but when mm-hmm. it was all said and done, I thought it could be a little shorter. I mean I thought that the the final ending scene could have ended about twenty seconds before it did. But mm-hmm. that was that was just my thing. But other than that, I was so impressed. I was so impressed with the subtext of uh-huh. of the you know where you think it's one thing and it's something else kind of thing, or you know you know they're they're operating at a whole other level than what you. I, I I don't want to tip it here, you know. I want people uh-huh. to be able to see it. So yeah, but, and they can uh, watch it on my website. Actually, I have the youth and us on my website on the resources page for any of you who want to watch that film. It's a beautiful film. It's a very so beautiful short film. Very successful. Give out your My website book. again is robertamonroe.com. All right, and so they can Roberta go and Monroe. check that, and they can go yeah. and check that out because I, I did. I mean, if if everything I saw, I mean, I don't know how you sat through all those shorts, <laughs> <laughs> but if everything was. I drink was a in, lot, Rex. I don't know if you knew this about me, but I drink a lot. <laughs> all right. Well, next time I'm in LA, you can buy. Um, okay. But the, <laughs> no, but really the. Uh, if if all of them were as good as as last night's short, I would enjoy shorts a whole lot more. And I think and I right. think everything that you've said so far are issues that I that maybe unconsciously. I mean, I don't know that I would have put words to it, but unconsciously that's where I was resistant with shorts. They're either clichéish or they they do try and do everything in a short period of time. So, right. uh you know, I, yeah, I mean, also, too, I think that, you know, what you think is fresh, you know, we all, I mean, I believe that, you know, we all have, I mean, for those of us who are making movies, that there is, you, you know, you, you want to share your genius with the world. And we all think that, you know, we're geniuses in our, in our creativity. But what I'm here to tell you is that what if, and the chances are pretty good, but what if someone's already made this creative, you know, opus that you are about to shoot? What if it already has been through the festival circuit and what you're doing is just showing programmers and audiences something they've already seen many times? You don't want to be that filmmaker. You want to be the filmmaker who really has a story that stands out. So if you do have a cop story, you know, with with the alcoholic or, you know, recently sober, disheveled, unshaven cop, then he better do something really interesting that we have not seen before to keep us interested. Yeah, makes perfect sense. And 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 you know, I had another question, but I think we've kind of answered it. But I, I still want to ask the question um, mm-hmm. because I think it addresses it. And that is, why can't a filmmaker just take a script for a feature and cut out a little bit of it and make a short? I mean, don't some people do that? Yeah, well, you know, I'll tell you the the one that I the filmmaker I mentioned earlier, David Fisher. He did, you know, he's doing that. He is taking. But what you this is what I would say. This is the trick to doing that. So you have a feature script that you're dying to get made and you want to make a short based on that feature to start raising money or awareness of who you are and and get yourself a deal don't pull a scene out of your script pull a character out of your script pull a character out of your script and build a story around that character that's That's what you do you don't yeah you don't pull a you know that's just a scene select that's what you know we're used to that we see that and we know you know programmers know it it's like this is just an uncompleted this is just one scene out of a feature and i would need to see the whole feature to understand your movie that's not what you want to do what you want to do is you want to pull a character or a couple of characters maybe your two lead characters build a story around them that is similar to the script but not a scene from the script 
and make that short so that it has a it has a completion factor, you know, a beginning, middle, and end. And that way, you can say, well, my feature, you know, is different, but it's based on these characters. Aha! Uh-huh. Now that makes perfect uh-huh. sense. Uh-huh. Yeah. That that does make perfect sense. Well, so what are programmers really looking for? I mean, I know you said fresh and different, but I mean, in other words. How you know? I, I imagine it. I mean, do you actually sit there and watch you know 15 minutes worth of film, or is it one of those things where after like 10 seconds, 60 seconds, you go, okay, I know enough. I'm not going. You know, I mean, what what are they looking for or not looking for? Does... Well, you know, I mean, Rex, it's such a tough question to answer because we're looking for so much. You know, so because you're you could have you know something that's very um, you know, has a rough and tumble production value and, you know, kind of looks like you only spent, you know, a few hundred dollars to make it. But the people that you've cast, the story that you're telling, and the economical edit that you have accomplished with this story stands out, is amazing, and we're happy to show it. You know, I've seen, I've programmed, and I've also seen some pretty rough and tumble shorts at places like Sundance, Aspen, South by Southwest, where you're like, wow, but the story kicks ass or that performance was outstanding and so you can so you can you know i mean you can get away with i mean when we look at the duplass brothers we know that they made this is john which is their first short film at sundance for you know like 10 bucks like whatever the cost of the mini dv tape was and they got into sundance and then they made another short that cost you know very little above that probably less than 50 bucks and then, you know, they started making their features. And in my book, you know, Mark Duplass talks about how making their feature script was, they said, well, we know how to write a short, so we'll write 10-minute, you know, 10-page sections of this movie and then tie it all together in the, in the rewrite. And so, you know, I think that really harnessing your, your, your power, <laughs> if you will, and and really honing your skills as a writer and as a director, making short films, you know, or web webisodes, web series, um, is is crucial because it's going to teach you what you need to know about making a feature. Oh, excellent, excellent! You're right. You're, you're so right. Yeah. I, so I mean, I, I, I want to say, I want to say that you know, one of the things that you know people want to know is like. Well, but what kind of stories and, you know, what's Sundance looking for? You know, I mean, we can, call a, we can call it what it is here because most people want to know how do I get into Sundance. Well, the only way to get into Sundance is to make a really great film and that, you know, it's clear that the directors realize their vision and then compete for, you know, a one in 70 spot out of 6,000. And ultimately oh. what you're really competing for is about – um, out of about 150, because 150 shorts every year at Sundance. You know, uh, Scott Luoto, who now who's a shorts program at Sundance, was talking about this on a panel that I moderated for Holly Shorts last weekend. And you know, ultimately, what they're sitting in the room talking about at the end of the day is maybe 300 films, and that very quickly moves down to 150. So they show between 70 and 85. And so there you could be in that 70 to 85, but you could also be one of those great films that is, you know, in the other 70 um, that didn't get in, that could have gotten in. But either your film was too long or they had a better film with the same uh, storyline or, uh, you know, you played it, you know, everywhere and anywhere. 
I mean, you really want to be strategic in your from every angle, from your create from the creative angle, from how where you place your film in which festivals, and that takes research. That takes homework. You can't. I want you know. I know that we all have that. Uh, dream of overnight success, but people who gain overnight success have been working really hard for 10 years. <laughs> That's right, right. Yeah. Right. So apart from like you, I mean, in, in reading your book and the talk that we're having right now, again, how, how do people, how do people get this information? Do they need to attend Sundance? Do, I mean, is there, how do they, or festivals, what, what's the best way for them to well, I know uh, one way that, you know, some I know filmmakers have done uh, is they volunteer to be a screener at a festival. So you find your local festival and you sit on the screening committee, you know, in a, in a lower level, and you just watch a bunch of stuff and give your opinion, and eventually you start to see patterns. <laughs> you start to see trends. You start to see how um, – what people are making in short films, what the narrative shorts look like, what topics people often choose in documentary shorts, what type of, you know, between hand-drawn and computer-generated animation is out there. And you start to, you start to educate yourself. But, you know, I mean, I, I don't know who's read um, Malcolm Gladwell's, you know, Outliers, but it's like, you know, that 10,000-hour rule is that, you know, you, you do something for 10,000 hours. Can we be making films for 10,000 hours? That's, you know... Not likely, but you can be watching films right. for 10,000 hours. You could be understanding what the structure is of a short film, a really solid. So find your, you know, find your favorite short film and just find a good one um, that you heard about or seen, you read, and, and analyze the structure of that short. What were people saying? Where did the story start? Where did the story end? How was the edit? What, you know, what locations did they use? What kind of characters did they think of? It's, you know, it does take work, but the information is out there, and there's so much of it. If you just type in, you know, watch short films, and, and I would, you know, I would say, you know, rent DVD compilations from Netflix or your local video store. Do your homework on, on work that has already succeeded. Excellent. You know what I, you know what I, I, I can I, can I throw some advice into the mix that I think is important of as course, well? Your of advice, course, Your advice is so yeah. stellar, and, and you may have already said it, and, and I'm sure that, you know, but the, I always tell people in, in my seminars we would we would model successful speakers or comedians or actors. What what I would always do is I would pick the cream of the crop, the top three or four people that people could look at, or the three or four films that somebody would look at, or three or four shorts or something along those lines. And then you compare them. You go, what is the same in each one that has ingredients, or what are the themes, or what are the topics, or how? And then you contrast them. What's different about each one? So you yeah. you literally compare and contrast and, and find out what the ingredients are that made them these top ones stand out and then yeah. what are the differences that make them unique and uh, and that was just a simple it's not necessarily a simple exercise but something that I like to do same thing with reading screenplays you know you can, you can go through mm -hmm. and, and compare in that fashion um, and, and there's so Absolutely. many things but, but uh, Absolutely. I, sure. I, mean, you know, I worked with Sorry, I worked with, you know, the unstoppable Jeff Gilmore um, for five years at Sundance. And one of the things that I learned from him is that you can't just say this film sucks. You can't just say it. You have to be able to talk about why this film doesn't work. And that's when, you know, I really stopped saying that things suck or that, you know, it was like, sure. it's like either the film works or it doesn't work. But what makes a film work and what makes it, you know, and also studying what, what makes a film not work. If you don't like a film, why don't you like it? Where does it fall apart? What did you, you know, was it, you know, the exposition? Was it the uh, predictability? Was it the um, casting? 
Was it the hectic or, you know, uh, unconscious edit? What, you know, was it the music? You know, I'm a big fan of the least music possible in your short. And, you know, oftentimes music can ruin your movie. So look at what doesn't work about that film and really pinpoint the, the crucial elements and then avoid them. <laughs> Do the opposite. <laughs> that, is, that is excellent. Roberta, we've got to take a break. Those such stellar advice. We're going to take a short break, uh, and then we'll be right back. Okay, so stay okay, tuned. Okay, great. I'll be right here. Awesome. Uh, you're listening to Roberta Monroe on how not to make a short right here on Rex Sykes Movie Beat at rexsikes.com. That's the official site. Keep in mind that we always love to hear from you. If you're listening live, please go ahead, rate and review the show, leave comments, make us a favorite right there where you're listening, uh, make us a friend, uh, go ahead and tweet somebody while you're listening or email or phone somebody and say, hey, I'm listening to Roberta right now and, and I, I love the show and, and you should find out about it. Keep in mind that the shows are all also archived. They're available at RexSykes.com in the interviews blog. They're all there. You can listen right from the website, or you can get them as a podcast from the iTunes store, Rex Sykes Movie Beat. Uh, and go ahead and share it on Facebook and on MySpace and on Twitter after the show. Once you've heard the show, then go ahead and and, and uh, tell people what you liked about it, because that really helps us uh, increase the popularity. It extends the reach of my guests to uh, people who may never hear Otherwise, and as I said, this show is really a resource for you, and so you can help us reach other people. My guests coming up, just uh, just briefly, are Kevin Sorbo. He'll be here as the very next guest. Uh, his movie, What If, just premiered. I went to that with my children, had a fabulous time. We're going to want to hear about What If. Rick Overton, stand-up comedian and actor, is currently in Dinner with Schmucks. He will be here. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. He's a very, very funny man. John Gasper has written a number of books on digital filmmaking and, and low-budget filmmaking and has made movies himself. Dan Cohen, director of a, a number of features, will be here discussing. He's a great source of information. I sit with him in L.A. and he'll say, here's what I learned, here's where I made my mistakes, here's where it screwed up. So he's, he, he knows his stuff and it's, it's good to listen to him. John Keyes has been talking distribution. He's the director and friend of Rex Sykes Movie. We've had him on numerous times and he'll be back toward the end of the month uh, talking about distribution, an important topic that's on everybody's mind now. Should we self-distribute? Should we hybrid? What about a hybrid distribution? What about uh, traditional distribution? And then Joe Wilson, Vampire Mob, web series, a uh, filmmaker. And uh, if you haven't seen Vampire Mob, you need to. Uh, it's a, a good web series, and uh, we'll have Joe back to talk about that toward the end of the month. All right, so we're back here with Roberta. And, Roberta, we've got about 20 or 25 minutes left remaining in the show. But let me ask you this. I mean, you have really uh, given so much value here today. Um, that's why, again, I ask people to go ahead and, and tweet about it and Facebook and call and email. But you did. You have given so much value here. What I want to ask is, you know, can I get the same kind of attention just putting up a, a short film on YouTube? I mean, would that benefit me at all? Or, or why? Or what are the benefits of playing a, a festival? Well, I mean, throwing a short up on YouTube is not a bad idea, but just remember that you're, you know, it's a tiny pebble in a huge ocean. So you would already have to have quite a community, you know, of followers to get people to watch your movie. You know, you'd have to have the resources to be able to publicize, market, and get people to watch that film. I would say that, you know, only, the, only those who are, you know, known enough and have enough of a community fan base are, you know, succeed on YouTube. Unless, of course, you're able to be one of the lucky filmmakers who's selected for the screening room. 
and that tends to get a lot of traffic and they have a very limited number of films that they show in the screening room and it's programmed you know it's a curated section of youtube all right makes makes perfect sense um so what festival should uh, should i uh submit to what should be on my radar what what am i looking at um i would say it depends where you live certainly but what you want to do is create a um you know a grid for yourself you know just an excel a simple grid and figure out which festivals you want to go to figure out which festivals show the kind of work that you create and then from that you know from that arena i know that everybody wants to submit to the top tier festivals sundance claremont ferrand um you know, and other big festivals. But what I would say is really look and start looking at what festivals have markets. So, you know, like um, Claremont Ferrand has a market. Claremont Ferrand is, a, is the largest short film festival in the world. It's the most prestigious, and it's in France. And they have um, Claremont Ferrand, so C-L-E-R-M-O-N-T uh, hyphen F-E-R-R-A-N-D. And they have a market. Like shorts, um, Palm Springs Shorts Fest has a market, and AFI has a market. I mean, there's so many festivals that have a marketplace where even if you don't get selected for the festival proper, your film is in the marketplace and is available to be viewed by film programmers and buyers, uh, you know, around the world. So you want to do that because that way you can do your own marketing. So your film doesn't get in. It doesn't mean your film's not good, and we as programmers know that, and and know that short film buyers know that. Uh, just because the film isn't in the festival doesn't mean it's not a great film. It just means there wasn't room for it. All right. Makes perfect sense. Makes perfect sense. Um, you think that if I ultimately want to be a feature filmmaker, uh, I should just concentrate on making feature films and not shorts? I mean, what? It de- I think it depends. I really do. I think that, I think for the most part, you know, look and see who's done that. Look and see who has been able to just go into, you know, making a, low-budget feature and has gone on to succeed, or did they just make, you know, I think it depends on where you want to practice making mistakes, <laughs> because you're going to make a lot of mistakes, you know, with your first, or, you know, your first few films. I know that I have. I've made four shorts, and I can watch them all and know exactly where I made mistakes, and made different mistakes each time I made a film, and it cost me very little in comparison to what it might cost me in terms of money, resources, time, favors, getting free stuff to make a feature. I say start at small and work your way up. Well, I have a, I have a follow-up question on this, but um, my earlier guest today, who's been on a number of times, is Jeffrey Goodman, and and you know his biography is that he made six shorts in Los Angeles, and then he returned to his home of Shreveport, Louisiana, to uh, to do his first feature film, and he raised two million dollars and got the movie uh, made, and with the Hollywood talent, Tom Sizemore and Bill Smitrovich and others, and and. Um, and uh, I happen to really enjoy his feature and, and other people who I've uh, loaned the DVD to. We've screened it, you know, things like that, too. It's just, uh-huh. like, incredibly tight, you know, good. What's good, it called? Uh, the Last Lullaby. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, But I've not seen any of his shorts. And so this is the and we kind of discussed them you know briefly like well I've made you know a few shorts but I've not I, I hadn't seen any of his fare prior to that but I did like his feature uh, so you know it's an interesting it would be interesting to ask him you know uh, you know in in terms of that but what does short what 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 do short films do you know for the aspiring 
filmmaker. I mean, you, yes, they can save you time and money, and you can make the mistakes in that. But, but is there a career path to be made through short films too? Oh yeah, of course. I mean, like I mentioned the Duplass brothers earlier, but I know a lot of short filmmakers who've gone on to make features. Got you know, Carrie Fukunaga, um, who had a short at Sundance uh, a few years ago. You know, he got out of Sundance. He got an agent, um, Craig Castell from William Morris Endeavor and went on to make, um, you know, now he's on some huge budget feature in the UK. And I believe that he would attribute that to, he had made some music videos prior to the short and he had been practicing with what he understood about the camera, about working with actors, about, you know, because it's a, you know, it's a very complicated multi-layered job to be a director. And I think that learning that in the, in the short term, you know, doing it in three days, you know, with a six-week pre-production is a really solid way to hone your skills and learn where you need to bump your skills up and learn where you've nailed it and learn how to work with actors and learn about your producer, you know, like who you're bringing on to produce this short. Are they coming on to the feature? And it's, a, it's an awesome way to um, practice working together. Well, then, then you know, uh, what you just said makes me think that, I mean, I mean, I know a lot of people who go, okay, we're going to make a short, and they, like, run out and shoot something. But uh, if people really used it, you know, and, and pre-produced it, really thought about it. I mean, one of the things that, that stood out with the film, the short that we watched last night, The Youth in Us, was, you know, they have Hollywood talent in it as well. Yeah. They, well, they, yeah. They, you know, so I mean that you would you would expect that the caliber of the of the story had to be, um, you know, intriguing or riveting enough to capture the talent. Yes, yes, absolutely. And I think you know Josh was able to get um, Kelly Garner and Lucas Haas to be in his film because they loved the script. I mean, he certainly has that he's an actor as well, and so he knew some people and he. You know, he worked his his, uh, his connections, but I really feel like if you've got a solid script, that actors want to work, and you would be surprised if he could get on board. You know, I talked to Jane Lynch. She's in my book, and I interviewed her for, you know, just to talk about working with either first-time directors or working on short films, and she said, I love it. I love doing it because, I, you know, it's almost like going right back to one. You get to expand as a, you know, as an actor, as a performer, and the, you know, the, 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 the stakes aren't as high, and you're working with. She loves working with first-time directors, and you know, also helping them and learning from them. Someone who's fresh and is not, you know, not as jaded as some of the people she may work with in the feature world. Awesome, awesome. I, I want to ask a question. I don't know. I, I don't personally uh, have a reference for this question. Somebody asked me if I could ask you about Colin Fritz Lives or Colin Fitz Lives. Are you uh-huh. aware? of are you? It says not a short film, but interesting Sundance story. I'm that, not. Yeah, I guess neither of us are familiar with that. Uh, to to the person who asks, so uh, apologize for that. Um, so uh, moving on, though, I, I don't know. What, I don't know what it is either. Somebody else commented that it was an interesting and heartbreaking story. So I I don't know. Oh well, tell. I mean, tell us about it. They get, heartbreaking yeah, in they, what they, sense? Did you have a specific they, question about? Distribution or what happened to his short or? Yeah, well, let's let's talk about that. How do, what about uh, what about that? Now, I had a short film that played, you know, back in the days of double features. It would play between movies. It would play in the theaters. It would play 
uh, in front of the feature. It was it, it got lots of commotion, a lot of uh, attention. I think HBO has tried to pick it up a couple of times. The content matter has been questionable at that point. It was called Killer's Matinee, and it um, uh, it has gone into obscurity. But uh, you know, I don't, you don't see shorts in 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 theaters anymore, and. Uh, you know, IFC, I think, has some shorts, or Sundance Channel has some shorts. What, what, what about distribution? What about getting a, a film out there? Uh, where do they go once once they – what kind of life do they have? Well, you know, I am um, – you know, it's funny, because I'm, you know, I'm doing this uh, – the best short film workshop ever next uh-huh. Saturday, August 21st here in Los Angeles. And people can find out about that on my website as well, and just go to robertamonroe.com slash workshops. All right, and but now let's I'm gonna slow, ha- no, no, yeah, I'm gonna slow ha- down. Slow down. Let let them hear that okay, again. Sure. You're doing. Oh, sorry. I'm, I am no, I want to make sure. Uh, I want to make sure that everybody hears about this. What is it? It's RobertaMonroe.com/slash/workshop. And this is the so workshop coming up this Saturday. It's next Saturday, August 21st. August 21st and in LA. Yeah, August 21st in Los Angeles. It's at the Writers Guild of America, and it's going to be an all-day affair. And we're going to spend the last half of the day specifically about distribution, short film distribution, and all of its, you know, the wild and wacky world of short film distribution. I wrote, I wrote about it in my blog, um, which is also on my website uh, this last week, and I, and I noticed that a lot of filmmakers have so many questions about who are the reputable companies out there? You know, who should they be signing with if they are offered a distribution deal? How do they brand themselves as filmmakers? And I have Sherry Candler from Sherry Candler Publicity and Marketing. She's going to be one of my special guests talking to filmmakers. And the short filmmakers are in the prime position to be branding themselves early in their career and building a community now and learning how, you know, and learn, and, uh, and I think short film distribution, I, mean, I, I, I always try to manage filmmakers' expectations because, I mean, you might, not, you might make thousands and thousands of dollars, but chances are probably not. So you want to understand what about distribution, you know, what's your motivation for distribution. Because if it's about money, then I would say, you know, get a job. But if it's about branding and about getting your work out there in front of as many people as possible, then that's the route to take, as opposed to just throwing it up online. Uh, uh, good, very good points. Now, somebody has asked if I can ask you about crowdfunding like Kickstarter or Indiegogo. Um, you know, are those... Uh, Panning out to be a viable option for uh, short filmmakers to to utilize to get their projects uh, off the ground. You know? Well, you know, again, I mean, we talked earlier about you know cre- creating a fan base and community, and you know, when you're selling your film online um, or off your website or even on iTunes, you have people have to know that you exist, and so it's not enough to just have you know a couple thousand followers on Facebook. It's just simply not enough. You have to spend the time, and it does take time. It's not an overnight thing where people know about you, where they believe in your, you know, your talents because you've been interacting with them, that you have a solid team of supporters and people who also, you know, like that your producer and that maybe your actors and other people that you have attached to your movie uh, also have huge fan bases and are willing to take the risk. Because while we think it's five bucks is not a lot, you know, I still have to go on Kickstarter. I have to sign in, I, or, or Indiegogo, or however you know your 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 crowdfunding. Um, I pull out my credit card, pay the money, and uh, it takes time. And so I have to be motivated. And how do you motivate people? You know, it's the age-old question in sales. It's like 
that filmmakers are dealing with a, an arena of business that they're not used to dealing with. And so you want to have as much information as possible. And there's stuff on YouTube about crowdfunding. There's people are blogging about it. So find out what successfully, you know, people who actually got their films funded, what did they do? How many people did they have involved in the process? How many, how many people from their Facebook or their Twitter fans actually contributed money versus friends and family of them and their crew? Figure out where this money is coming from. Find out who that audience of givers are. Excellent. Excellent. Um, I want to return for a second to, to your upcoming workshop on the on Saturday, the twenty first. Twenty first in Los Angeles. It's you and Sherry Candler as a guest. Yes, and I'm yeah, and I'm bringing in an agent from CAA, and I will also have a writer um, who's going to be uh, participating. Well, people certainly want to attend. Uh, but I, I well, and it's to, super cheap. I mean, it's only $69, and it's an all-day workshop. And I promise you that you will learn, you know, so much more. I hope that you've learned a lot in our hour together, but you will learn even more, you know, over a six-hour period at the Writers Guild. I have uh, – there's a video online uh, from previous participants on my website who are um, who are saying some good things. Thank you. I'm sorry. I'm just moving now. Um, as I said, I'm in the car. <laughs> uh-huh. But I am, um, yeah, but I think that, I mean, you want to do your work. You want to find out the best possible way to get out there. I wish I could, you know, have a six-hour radio show with you, Rex, but unfortunately, well, you will. You know, I can't. Yeah, I will one day. <laughs> no, no, no. Actually, you know. you actually, actually will, because I was going to say I would love to have you back. We have uh, literally about eight minutes remaining, and I've got so many more questions for you, and I'd like to have you back at another time. Sherry Candler has also been a guest, and she will be returning. And so to be able to spend the time in a room with you and Sherry and maybe, you know, I mean, a CAA agent and a writer is, is an awesome deal, especially for the price. And so anybody that can attend should attend if they're in Los Angeles. But, but I mean, uh, for you, Roberta, I would like to have you back as a guest at another time. So if you're – and I'm, I know we didn't discuss oh, this prior, that. but – <laughs> all right, cool. So, so maybe we will have six hours at some point by the time it's all said and done. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I wanted to ask you this too: Are are some schools better for developing short film techniques than others? Like, well, you know, I think it, I think it depends on where your your personal skill set lies. I think that if you believe, you know, I, and I also think that some people, you know, go to school and some people do not. You know, some people do well in school right. and some people do not. So, what you want to do. Is um, is decide for yourself if school is right for you because it's a significant investment for the most part. If you're going to any, you know, to get an MFA at any top tier, like I know that it's got to be over a hundred thousand dollars to get an MFA at Columbia. Where if you look at short films, you know, film school short films that have played at top tier festivals, Columbia, you know, knocks it out of the park. As does you know NYU, you know Tisch, um, Florida State, uh, UCLA. There are a number, and then look to see which film schools are missing, <laughs> and you'll you know you'll be able to gauge where you should be going. But I don't, you know I'm I'm I didn't go to film school, and I know a lot of really talented and successful filmmakers who didn't go to film school. Which is not to say don't go, but just know that if if school is not your thing, then don't worry. You know, making short films can be your film school. Well, absolutely, absolutely. I think one of the side benefits, or maybe the most important benefit of, of film school, is, is merely that you get to know other people who are, you know, in the same industry as you are, you know, all in school, and they may be people who, who you 
create relationships that stay with you for the length of your life. So, I mean, right. you know, I mean. Yeah. Uh, so, well, that's very cool. Um, regarding, I, I guess we have time probably for maybe one or two more questions. Um, what blogs or publications are good resource material for short filmmakers? Uh, well, my blog. <laughs> I love I love writing it, and I uh-huh. keep it topical. There, um, I'm trying to think. You know, I look. I know uh, James Wall is a UK filmmaker, an Australian filmmaker, and I subscribe. I mean, you can take a look at the blog that I subscribe to as well, because that's a great place to do it. I would go on Sherry Candler's um, website and check out the blogs that she subscribes to, because a lot of them are the same. And as well, she she you know stays on top of who's blogging the most pertinent and important information. So find the tastemakers who are on Facebook and Twitter and follow their blogs. Very cool. Yeah. So what's a good budget limit for making a short film? Do you think well, that's I would a... say that, you know, I mean, I, depending, I'm usually, you know, just generalizing, talking about an, uh, a narrative, you know, live action short film that you'd like to play at a top tier festival that you don't want to go under $5,000. And uh, but you also don't want to be going into debt, and or you know like going over twenty thousand dollars. But I will tell you this: that I don't think I've seen a short film that won an Oscar that was under fifty thousand dollars. So it depends on what your what your career trajectory is and what you want to accomplish. Is it true that all Oscar-winning films in the short live live category are typically about children or underprivileged or Holocaust or you know I mean in other words older people or right you know I mean they seem to have you know like the if it tugs the heartstrings it gets the award kind of thing. Well, you know I'm not sure. I think that you know it varies, but if you look, I mean you can rent the Oscar um, shorts because Magnolia you know did that theatrical release and. They're, I'm sure, on iTunes and on Netflix. You want to buy them, you want to rent them, and see what, what, what's getting made. Because I would look at all of them, all of the nominated films, not just the winners. No, that's, that's, uh, I, I think that's important to, to, to be able to do that. I mean, you know, what we're talking about really is rounding out an education in filmmaking, you know, whether it's short filmmaking exactly. or feature filmmaking or, or, or web series making, whatever it is. It's, it's, it's exposing yourself to the best and the quality and seeing what comes close, what makes it, what doesn't make it. I mean, because I, I always, I, I always, I, I love the title of your book, How Not to Make a Short Film, because I have oftentimes told friends of mine, I said, we're going to take this movie, which I think is horrible, and we're going to watch it and dissect what not to do when it comes to making movies because, you know, there's so much. I mean, you, you find out what works and what doesn't work, you know, which is uh, to the premise of my show here, you know, because mm-hmm. you, you need to know that in order to move ahead positively too. And uh, I always tell people that the people who set their goals but don't set their contingency plans, meaning if it doesn't work out the way you planned, what else would you do? If you can't, if you don't have two or three different steps, the minute you encounter hardship, you won't you won't know where to go, and it's the same thing in pre-production. You know, you try to plan for anything and everything that could go wrong, to the best of your ability, and how you will solve that, so that when you're in the thick of shooting, you've got you know backups if if things shouldn't go the way you want it to. So, you know, I I love your book. I love what you're doing, and I love what you suggest. I was a judge for three or four years on a short film festival with even with my I hate short films attitude. I was the face of this festival, and I found that I had 
just very briefly a, a kind of criteria for short films, and one was what I called the fidget factor, and that was, you know, could I sit there without fidgeting during the amount of time? The shorts sometimes were, you know, a minute or less. You know, they were short things, or they were animated shorts, or they were, you know, longer shorts. But was I fidgeting? Was I, was I, you know, did I uh-huh. immediately? I always felt whether whether you came in in the middle and exited early, you know, whether you enter late and exit early. Did it have a beginning, middle, and end in the sense that, that there was there something I could wrap my brain around so I knew when it started, could I, could I, could I, could I follow it? In other words, it didn't matter whether it was like, you know, time scrambled or whatever, but it had some semblance of, not, thir- not a three-act structure necessarily, but just kind of like, did it have a, did it, did it have a beginning and then, you know, some closure that I could. Right. And and um, and then you know how was the story and how was the cast and how were the actors? But the two things that you know I think that drove me were could I sit there and watch it? Did it put me on the edge of my seat or was I trying to get out of the theater? You know that kind of thing. Mm-hmm, and um, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and that's how you can judge short films when you are um, when you yourself are watching them, you know, and learning about it. like how interesting is this? You know, what makes this stand out? And that's how, I mean, I really, I know that I sound like I'm repeating myself because I am. It's like you really want to, um, you really want to do your research, do your homework, see what's being made. I mean, if you look at any of the, any of the successful feature filmmakers, really successful, you know, like celebrities on the side, like Quentin Tarantino, you know, I mean, how many movies did he watch before he made his first one? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it, it is education. You know, it is education right there in front of you, if, especially if you do it with that point in mind, you know, that you're going to analyze it, you're going to dissect it, you're going to look for what works, what doesn't work, you know, and, and you're going to use it educationally as, as opposed to just being entertained, which is there's right. nothing wrong with that either. But um, uh, I've got a, a final question. We'll, we'll run a little long here today if that's okay with you. I know you've got to get going. But that, but that is this. Why make a short? I mean, in other words, I know people say I made a feature because I had a story that I'm going to tell. But why should why make a short? In other words, unless it's riveting, unless it's fascinating, unless it captured someone's attention, why even bother? You know what I, what I mean? I mean, I, mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, we have an experimental film school here in Milwaukee, which is one of the major experimental film schools in the country, and and you know they like to scratch film negative, and and show. Right short films that, you know, are scratched, you know, negative. And I, I'm not a fan of that, you know. I hate to say it. I'm not a fan of that. So so if you're going to show me it, what are you trying to – I think people always need to figure out what they're trying to accomplish. You know, what is their end goal? Do, do you want somebody to go, okay, or do you want somebody to go, wow, you know? And and I think people need right. to predetermine. So why make a short film? What, what What do you think people are trying to accomplish with a short film? Or what does a short film accomplish, I guess? Right. Well, what it accomplishes is it shows, you know, your your ability uh, or lack thereof, but hopefully it shows your ability to direct actors, to tell a story, to be economical and smart in your post-production, you know, in your edit, to be able to successfully tell a story in a short period of time. I mean, I, I've heard age, many, many agents say that, you know, it's harder to make a short film than it is a feature film to some degree because you have a very limited amount of time to tell your story. Uh, and but usually very limited resources to make your film, and it's hard to to tell to be compelling in 12 minutes or 15 minutes even, and that you know and also to, also gives you a very um, gives you a really great foundation to see if you're talented, <laughs> right? <laughs> you get to see if you're talented, and you know I, I don't mean to. Um, 
you know, to sound facetious because I'm not being facetious. Like, what if you're not talented? What if you're not really a good filmmaker? You get, I mean, why not learn that, you know, spending a few thousand dollars than spending 30 or 100 or, you know, and, and months of your life? Why not learn that in a short period of time? Why not learn that maybe you'd rather be an actor or you'd rather be an editor? Or, you know, find out where your skill set is, and making a short film is one of the best ways to do that. Oh, that is excellent. And, and I agree. I mean, I really do. I think the reason why I keep saying I hate short films up until last evening was because it is probably harder to captivate in a short amount of time. You wouldn't think so necessarily, but to captivate in a short amount of time, whereas with a feature, you've got a lot that you could forgive if everything else is okay. You know, you've, you've got mm-hmm. 90 minutes or something, so you, you know, over the flow of it, you may go, well, that didn't work, but this was great. So, but in a short film, it's all compressed. So yes. you don't have the luxury of necessarily forgiveness in a short film that you might have in a feature film. Um, so right. I would agree. I would agree. It probably is much harder. It, in in terms of captivating an audience and having a, a, a slice of whatever it is done in a short amount of time, I think that it would be harder. Yes, so, uh, absolutely. Well, you have been fascinating, and you have provided great value for my listeners. And we will have okay. you back again, and you and I will arrange that. I know you have to rush to a meeting. I have to rush out. Um, but thank you so much for all that you've given. I hope that uh, anyone who can, who's in listening range, again, you know, I ask people to, to retweet and to Facebook and to share this show. But also, you know, guests have uh, things coming up. Roberta's got a workshop coming up August 21st in Los Angeles at the Writers Guild, reasonably priced at $69, I think she said. That includes yep, her, Jerry Candler, uh, an agent and uh, you know a writer, and they're going to be talking about how to make the best darn short. Is that what it is? Or yeah, hey, yeah, it is best short film workshop ever. <laughs> okay, so there you go. Uh, so you know, share that too. You know, if, if you've gotten value from my guests, you know, trumpet it. You know, and put it out there. And again, friend us, make us a favorite, rate and review here live and and in the podcast, and uh, I sure appreciate everything. Roberta, you have been fantastic. We will talk again real shortly. Get to your meeting and uh, have a great rest of the day and a fabulous weekend, and thank you. Oh, thank you so much, Rick, for having me, and thanks, everybody, for listening. All right, and we'll do it again. All right, bye for now. Bye for now. Uh, that's Roberta Monroe, uh, and uh, yeah, that was fascinating. I learned so much today uh, from Roberta and from Jeffrey. It's been a, a fabulous day. I apologize for the uh, technical problems that we experienced from uh, our, our platform that we used to create this show and the confusion that it may have caused uh, others. So please uh, help others to uh, find out that the show is now will be archived and it's already been done and uh, and that they can listen into it. So I thank uh, Roberta, and I want to thank you, my readers and the listeners of Movie Beat. We've got so many more exciting guests coming up in the near future. Be sure to stay tuned and uh, and, uh, and share these interviews with all your friends and your contacts. Uh, you can become a member of the Rex X Movie Beat Facebook group by clicking on the group link at my profile page on Facebook. You can uh, join Rex Sykes Movie Beat friends uh, as well or visit my profile at Rex Sykes. Uh, and be sure to go to robertamonroe.com. And, and see all the different things that Roberta has to offer uh, at her website. So everybody have a fabulous day. Make your movies. Thanks for listening. Complete your projects. Until we meet the next time, and the next time we meet will be Kevin Sorbo. Uh, that is a wrap.